Now, someone told me they were reading the book of Leviticus and asked me really what it was all about. And I want tonight just to take just a portion of Leviticus and show what the whole book is teaching. It teaches one thing. We'll take a little portion and uh, actually the whole teaching of the entire Bible will be what I'll talk about tonight if this is all the Bible is about. We're going to look at Leviticus 16, if you'll turn there. And if you know what Leviticus chapter 16, verses 1 through 15 teaches, then you're a theologian. You'll know what sin is. You'll know what the requirement of God to put away sin is. And this is the whole Bible's message what sin is, and the putting away of sin. Sin requires a victim. And that victim will either be you or it'll be someone else in your stead. But there is a victim when sin is around. If sin's done away with, there has to be a victim and blood must be shed. So let's look at Leviticus chapter 16. A lot of you are familiar with all these things, but some are not. Uh, the Old Testament to uh, a lot of people is just a mystery is all it is because they don't ever hear anything from it. Leviticus 16, verse 1, The Lord spake unto Moses after the death of the two sons of Aaron, when they offered before the Lord, and died. And the Lord said unto Moses, Speak unto Aaron thy brother, that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat, which is upon the ark, that he die not, for I will appear in the cloud upon the mercy seat. And thus shall Aaron come into the holy place with a young bullock for a sin offering and a ram for a burnt offering. And he shall put on the holy linen coat and he shall have the linen breeches upon his flesh. And he shall be girded with a linen girdle and with the linen mitre shall he be attired. We saw all those things in our study of the tabernacle. These are holy garments, therefore shall he wash his flesh in water, and so put them on. And he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats, two young goats, less than a year old, for a sin offering, one ram for a burnt offering. And Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his house. And he shall take the two goats and present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. 
And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. There's the sin offering. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord to make an atonement with him and to let him go for a scapegoat into the wilderness. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, shall make an atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. And he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord, and his hands full of sweet incense, beaten small, and bring it within the veil. And he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not. And he shall take of the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it with his finger upon the mercy seat eastward. And before the mercy seat shall he sprinkle of the blood with his finger seven times then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil and do with that blood as he did with the blood of the bullock and sprinkle it upon the mercy seat and before the mercy seat. Now I said sin requires a victim. There must be a victim. And the victim we'll look at tonight, look at verse 5. He shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering, one ram for a burnt offering. And then verse 7, he take the two goats, present them before the Lord at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord, the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. Here's the victim. There is to be blood poured out from this victim, this sin offering. Now that goat that was slain as a sin offering unto God, of course you know already it represents the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our sacrifice. He is the victim slain and sacrificed to God in order to make an atonement for sin. Man's sin against God. That's a horrible thing to even talk about. Man's sin was an attack upon God's honor. And when Adam sinned, he actually attacked God. And your sin and my sin is an attack upon God's honor. Man set himself up in rebellion against the Almighty. 
And when he did, he opposed divine sovereignty and he mocked divine wisdom and he despised divine goodness. And every sin of man is an armed assault against the character and the life of God himself. Sin is an ugly, hideous attempt by man to rape the holy God and rob him of all his glorious attributes. Sin is an attempt by man actually to murder God. And that's what sin is in its essence. It's man endeavoring to rape and murder God. When a man takes a woman and violates her, he takes from her that precious thing of her pureness. And man takes God and robs him of his holiness and purity and glory. Sin is an attempt by man to rob God of his sovereign rule and holy character and even his very life. If God would ever let us see what sin is, I hope he never does. But if he did, it would be a real revelation. It's the most hateful, obnoxious thing that we can even think about. Now, I know people joke about sin. The world's full of jokesters. They joke about sin and make light of sin because they have no conception of what it is. We think Satan is such a horrible monster. He's, he's horrible, isn't he? You know what makes him like he is? It's sin that makes him what he is. The sin in your heart and my heart is what makes the devil what he is. Now, before God and man can be reconciled, you're estranged from God as a sinner. And before man and God can be reconciled, before God can deal with man at all except by way of punishment, something has to be done to restore God's honor in his creation. This is the reason why our Lord Jesus Christ came. He came into the world to restore God's honor in the world. And when Paul speaks of our great salvation in Christ in Ephesians chapter 1, he says three times, it was for the praise of God's glory. And that's what we're about here. All that God Almighty does for sinners such as you and me, he does for one reason, for his name's sake. Why did Christ die for your sins? To restore God's honor in his creation. That's why he did. Why did the Son of God come from glory? To restore God's honor in the world he had made. And the Lord Jesus, by his death, 
as the sinner's substitute has fully restored the divine glory in this world. Since Christ died, the just for the unjust, God can be gracious without violating his justice. He can receive guilty sinners into fellowship with himself without marring the luster and the beauty of a single one of his attributes. How does he do that? Through Christ, through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when Christ died, he was a representative man. And as such, he has more fully honored God than sinful man dishonored him. And though God is justly angry with Adam's fallen race by reason of sin, God Almighty is full of tenderness and mercy and compassion. Thank God he is. He's full of goodness because of the goodness of Christ, the second Adam. Christ, by his obedience in life and his satisfaction in death, has magnified the law and made it honorable. Now, what have we learned here in what I've said? What did Christ do? He honored God. He honored God. You remember that now. He restored God's honor in his creation. And that's what we're taught in this typical sacrifice of the goat on this day of atonement. An innocent victim died in the place of the guilty so that God might be just and justify the ungodly. So that God might in an honorable way have mercy upon men. He has mercy upon you. You're a vile sinner, but God has mercy on you. I'm just like you are. We're all in the same, in the same way, a vile bunch of sinners. But God has mercy. This is why the Son of God died, because God has mercy. God Almighty, in his holiness, cannot pardon sin. And I know men go about trying to say, well, God will overlook that. God will, he won't pay any attention to that. Yes, he will. God cannot pardon sin. He cannot have mercy on sinners. He cannot let you live until he satisfies his justice. And until he establishes his honor in the world, the Lord Jesus Christ died so that the holy God who said the soul that sinneth shall surely die can be just and yet justify the ungodly. God cannot forget sin. He cannot forget sin. Now, he can in justice now 
justify every sinner who believes on the Lord Jesus Christ. You understand that? Because the Son of God died in the place of the guilty. Now we'll look at this scripture a little bit. The first thing that we notice about this victim is that it was a perfect, spotless, innocent goat of the first year, a kid of the goats. And our Lord Jesus, in fulfillment of this type, was a perfect man, an innocent victim sacrifice to God in the prime and vigor of his life. And something else we notice about this goat, he was a type of Christ in that it was taken from among the people. Look at verse 5. He shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids. He took these two goats from among the people out of the congregation. Why did he do that? Well, the goat was brought by the people. Now listen, it was their common property. Well, what's the point of this? All right, the compensation to God's honor for man's sin must come from man. It was man who sinned, and man must pay. The victim has to come from man. Man broke God's law. Man must pay what is due to God's law and honor that law. And the Lord Jesus Christ, our substitute, our sacrifice was one of us. He was a man, one of us. He was bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. He was a sacrifice taken from among the people. And that's the only sacrifice that God would look at was one taken from the guilty. Psalm 89, 19. Would you read that, please? Psalm 89, 19. He was taken from the people. Psalm 89, verse 19. And then thou spakest in vision to thy holy one, and said, I have laid help upon one that is mighty. I have exalted one chosen out of the people. So our Lord Jesus Christ was just like us. He was a man. And that's the reason the goat was taken from among the people. Being a man, Christ was qualified to perform the obedience required from men and to right the wrongs done by man. And then because he was God, his obedience and sacrifice are of infinite value to all his people. God was the only one that had the the holiness and the righteousness to satisfy God and put away sin. 
He gave his life for the sheep. He didn't give his life for anybody else but the sheep. Now also this goat was taken from among the people, but he was chosen and ordained of God. God chose his own sacrifice. Verse 8 and 9. And Aaron shall cast lots upon the two goats, one lot for the Lord and the other lot for the scapegoat. And Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell and offer him for a sin offering. Now that's such a clear picture that it hardly needs any explanation. But here's the explanation of it. Though the Lord Jesus Christ was to be crucified by the wicked wills of men, and though wicked, ungodly, sinful men brought the Son of God up to the judgment hall and cried, Crucify him, crucify him. And though Judas, by his wicked will, sold the Lord Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, and though Pilate, because of his cowardice, delivered our Lord over to the people, and though the soldiers beat him and spat on him and scourged him and put a crown of thorns on his head and mocked him and hung him up to die, but they did exactly what God ordained from eternity to be done. They didn't do anything that God did not ordain exactly. It was all prophesied in the scriptures because it was ordained of God. And that's what's pictured here. The goat was taken from among the people, and they brought it to be sacrificed. But when they did, God decided which one of those goats was going to be his. The Lord's goat. You saw that. Aaron shall bring the goat upon which the Lord's lot fell. The Lord he had that lot cast, and it was ordained of God as to which one of those goats would be sacrificed. That was the Lord's, the Lord's lot. And now in order for that offering to be acceptable, to be an acceptable sacrifice, something had to be brought besides the blood of the offering. And what was that? Verse 11, Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. Now look at this. He shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire from off the altar before the Lord, and his hands full of sweet incense, beaten small, and bring it within the veil. And he shall put the incense upon the fire before the Lord, that the cloud of the incense may cover the mercy seat that is upon the testimony that he die not. Aaron must take. Not only the sacrifice, the blood of the sacrifice, he must take sweet incense, beaten small, and cast it upon the live coals from off the altar, 
And the smell of that sweet perfume, that sweet incense, would ascend up before the mercy seat. And it says, lest Aaron uh, should die. And he comes into the holy place with the blood. He's got the blood in a basin. And he comes with sweet incense. What does that mean? It means simply this. Before God can be satisfied for the evil done against him, there has to be an offering of sweet, acceptable merit to him. The offering of the incense with the blood speaks of the merits of Christ's righteousness because his righteousness is a sweet smell in the nostrils of the holy God. His obedience as our substitute by which God is well pleased. And now I say to the Father, I come before you, my Father, a sinner. And I bring the blood of God himself, the blood by which my sins are atoned and put away. I bring the blood of Christ, God's dear Son. I bring the blood of infinite merit by which justice is satisfied and by which wrath is put away. I bring his blood, but I also I also bring his sweet incense. And with the sweet incense of his righteousness and with the blood of atonement, I offer Christ unto God for my acceptance. You see that? That's it. That's what's typified in this sacrifice. So the Lord Jesus Christ himself came to offer himself as a sacrifice for sin. And when he did, he brought his hands full of the merits of his perfect obedience. And his obedience was a sweet aroma pleasing to a holy God. And he said, Father, I've finished the work. Now give me the glory that's mine. My righteousness has been presented to you for all of those that are mine. And his blood was shed to remove our sin. And his righteousness is imputed to us. That's the sweet-smelling incense. His righteousness is given to us and makes us holy, acceptable, and well-pleasing to God. As in Adam we died, in Christ we're made alive. One man ruined us, another man restored us. One man cast us down to hell, another man lifted us up to heaven. And above all else that Christ restored, he has restored God's honor in God's creation. And the glory of God in redemption is greater by infinite degree than the dishonor brought upon God by sin. Had you ever thought about why did God allow sin in the first place? 
could God have prevented sin from coming into his creation? Well, he's God. He certainly could have. Well, then why did he allow sin to come into the creation? Because he is more honored by redemption, by sinners forgiven through blood and redeemed in Christ Jesus, than he could ever be by man being on this earth without sin. You realize how greatly honored God is in saving sinners such as you and I. And after the offering of the sweet incense, God required that that goat must die. As soon as Aaron offered that sweet incense, it was time to kill that goat. Verse 15. Verse 15. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people and bring his blood within the veil. He killed that little goat. Watch the goat now. Think about that little goat, less than a year old. A little kid. And Aaron reached back and draws out the dagger and without any mercy whatsoever, he plunges that dagger into the throat of that little goat. Now that's what is repugnant to most religious people, this bloody religion. But I'm going to tell you this, without what I'm talking about now, you have no redemption. You have no Savior. And that little goat kicked and struggled for life as his lifeblood gushed out. And if there's anybody here that has anything against God in this, you better get that straightened out. Aaron caught the blood in a pan and took it into the holy place at the mercy seat. You see him carrying that warm blood in that pan into, into the holy of holies before the mercy seat. And so here's our Savior. This is our Savior. This is a picture of our Savior. That little goat. The Father's vengeful sword pierced his heart. How can I describe it? There's no way I can begin to describe the awful physical pain, much less the spiritual agony. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And if I could act this out in reality, everyone in here would weep and moan. But when I tell you the truth about it, it doesn't do anything to move your hearts, does it? Why? Because most people are sentimental but dead. Does it move your heart as you think of the Lord Jesus Christ? as his father plunged that dagger into his own son's heart. Our Lord Jesus Christ hangs before his father on that cross as a sacrifice for sin. And the father draws his sword of justice and stabs his son to death. 
and the soldiers pressed the crown of thorns on his brow, drove the spikes through his hands and feet, and the blood flowed down his body, and his back was lacerated till the bones were exposed. A hideous, beaten-looking monster of a man hanging there, and at last he died. Thank God he died. Because if he doesn't die... I die. And a soldier came with a spear and shoved it into the heart of the Son of God and the remainder of his blood gushed out. And when that happened, a fountain was opened for the cleansing of sin in which sinners to this day are washed and made clean before God. There's no other way to wash except in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you young people here are guilty. You're guilty of sin. You're guilty of trying to murder God. And you must have a Savior. You see, church is not just to play church. It's to present a Savior for sin. And he's the one we present to you. You must have Christ or die forever and spend eternity in the fires of hell. I'm telling you the truth. That's the sacrifice. And when he died, justice was vindicated for all who believe that the Lord Jesus Christ is God's sacrificial lamb. Either man must die or God's justice must die. And if God's justice dies, God must give up his rule of the universe. And I say that'll never happen. A sin atonement must be made. And thank Almighty God, the great atonement has been made. When this kid of the goats died, it portrayed the death of the blessed Son of God in the stead of all who with the heart believe and trust this great sacrifice. Do you trust him? Do you believe on him? I implore you by all that's right and holy and good, trust the Lord Jesus Christ for the putting away of your sin. Trust him. Trust his great sacrifice. See the Lamb of God, our Savior, bearing all our sins and shame. By eternal love and favor, Jesus died, bearing our blame. Bruised and wounded and forsaken, as our substitute, he died. It's finished. Sin's forgiven. Justice now is satisfied. Thank God a victim has died in my stead, the Lord Jesus Christ. May he be your sacrifice as you look at him by faith in his shed blood. May God bless you and help you. And that's what's in the book of Leviticus. That's what's in the book of Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy and all the rest of the books. 
Jesus Christ, the righteous, has died in the stead of sinners. That's what this book's all about. Sin and that which puts away sin. That's what this book's about. 